0: Welcome into this very special episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. I'm here today with a very special guest, somebody who I've always wanted to bring on to this show. He is a journalist. He works for uh, BT Sport, also writes for The Athletic also works for uh, Der Spiegel. He's been in the German football community for a long time. He's written one of my favorite books on football ever, uh, Das Reboot, and his most recent book is about uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I'm joined by Rafa Honigstein. Rafa, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well. How are you?
0: I'm I'm very good. Uh I've been uh I've been really, really excited about this episode and it's been a perfect time for it, I would say, because my hope was to bring you in to have you talk about this topsy turvy season that everybody has had and what a topsy turvy season it has been. It worked out perfectly. So before we get specifically into the Bundesliga, I'd like to start with uh how The German teams have fared overall in Europe. Uh, We see three teams from the Champions League advance to the knockout stages. We saw uh, Bayer Leverkusen at least advance to the knockout stages of the Europa League. So we will actually get to them first because it is the lower competition. Leverkusen are coming up against a really tough Porto side. How do you see them uh, faring after being knocked out of the Champions League?
1: Well, with Leverkusen, it's never really difficult to know if they will turn up or not. They have so much quality, but they also have something which is this intangible uh, ability or a disability almost when it comes to uh, being focused, being quite on it, doing justice to their potential. Um, I was speaking to someone close to the dressing room just the other day and they're saying there is something that you just cannot get out of the side. It doesn't matter who is playing. It doesn't really matter who is the coach. They have this um this kind of mental deficiency at some level and it's very difficult to put your finger on it so i always expect Leverkusen to do well because they have such great players but they always seem to find a way of just coming up short a little bit now against porto i'd give it a 50 50 shot i think they have a decent opportunity to go through but they have to play a lot better than they did uh, in most of the uh, Champions League games where they were really really very disappointing especially compared to some of the great stuff we saw in the second half of the season last year. Now moving on to the
0: Champions League, Leipzig have drawn Tottenham, Dortmund have a really tough matchup against uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern have a rematch, a uh, revenge match you could say, against Chelsea. How do you see those three teams doing and do you fancy all of them to move on?
1: Maybe not all of them. I think if you start with Dortmund, they have to easily the toughest draw. Um, PSG is the team they wanted to avoid for a couple of reasons. First of all, because they are very good, uh, especially in attack where Dortmund struggle defensively. Secondly, Thomas Tuchel is a guy who's left um, with a lot of people still being a little bit uh, unhappy with how things went down. And uh, to see them get knocked out by him, I think would be extra painful. Uh, as far as the club is concerned. So it's it's really the worst possible draw in many senses. I don't think they can quite do it. Uh, Bayern should be considered favourites against Chelsea, not by much, but I think by enough to to come through. Uh, they have a more quality, they have greater depth. I think um, they have better players all around. Uh, Chelsea are doing really well, but they also give teams an opportunity often uh, to score. We saw in the Champions League how open most of their games were and I think a team like Bayern should really take advantage especially if Bayern get their big players in defence back, I think that is absolutely a must uh, to get at least Lucas Hernandez back, Niklas Sula won't make it but Hernandez will make a difference um, as far as Leipzig is concerned um, I think people are underestimating them um, they don't have the pedigree in, in Europe, uh, Jose Mourinho has but I don't think this Spurs team is necessarily quite up there with the best teams in Europe, I think they were overperforming, overachieving last year, and if Leipzig play the kind of stuff we've seen from them, and perhaps progress and develop a little bit more, which we've seen in recent uh, weeks when they get to grips with this slightly different approach under Julian Nagelsmann, I think Leipzig have a very good chance of of getting through. So I'd make it two out of three.
0: Well, I mean that that isn't an absolutely terrible uh, outlook for for the for the German teams. Then, so moving now towards uh, this Bundesliga season. So, for the audience, just to keep them in mind of how I wanted to do the rest of this, we're going to be moving up from the bottom of the table towards the top, and we're going to start by lumping the teams that currently sit at the bottom four together, because they've all kind of had a rough go at this season. You have Paderborn sat in 18th, Werder Bremen at 17th, Fortuna Dusseldorf at 16th, and FC Cohn at 15. Uh, Who do you think has had uh, the more disappointing season, and do you think any of them could be able to make it out of that relegation spot?
1: Well, I think Parabon are exactly what they, what they expected to be. Uh, they had no great illusions uh, about their chances of, of making it. Of course, they were going to give it a go, and uh, the win on Sunday gives them gives them an opportunity to, to stay up, uh, considering the weakness all around them. But they have been uh, not naive enough to think that they were going to be anywhere else apart from the relegation battle. Now, the same cannot be said for Fortuna and for Köln, because they fancied themselves as as mid-table teams perhaps even in the case of Cologne as a team that fight for the Europa League uh, spots they're always very optimistic in in that city and I think it's come as a bit of a surprise I would still think that Düsseldorf because of Funkel and because of the way the team is set up are in a better position of dealing with that kind of situation and should be okay Kern have made improvements under Markus Gisdor but I think we we'll are still will still struggle uh, until the end. Now, Werder is a special case, because Werder, under Caulfield, um their official and, and private target was to challenge for Europa League. Uh, they found themselves at the wrong side of the table. And uh, you wonder if that great confidence that Kohfeldt enjoys and the great credit that he has amassed already will be enough to see him through this very difficult spell. Or if Werder at some stage, like many teams unfortunately do, um, get to the point where they press the panic panic button, and um, I think that would be that would be very sad for many reasons. But uh, uh is a guy who I think now needs to show that he really is as good a, man- a manager as many people in the industry think. Um, perhaps not at the side of the table where he thought he would be. But nevertheless, with a real um, chance to show that uh, even in in tricky times and even when things go against him, he will stay true to his principles and help the team come out of it.
0: Moving on up the table to 14th place, we will find Mainz. The team has been... Relatively inconsistent this season. They had a tough time last year, so I guess this is about what we would have expected of them this time. But they've had massive scoreline wins on their uh, on their campaign in the Hinsrunda so far. They have a five nothing win over Bremen, but they also had massive losses to Leipzig and Bayern. Uh, do you think the team is uh, exactly where they should be? Or do you think they can be able to find a consistent run of
1: form? I think for a team like mine, consistency is always going to be sort of the holy grail. I don't think they are in a position where they can really win three or four games in a row. There's just not enough strength there. They can, of course, um, you know, find enough points over the course of the season to be safe. That's where we expect them to be, sort of in the lower mid-table ranks, maybe 14th. 13th, that sort of position I think is realistic. Uh, But of course, it was looking as if it might be a lot worse. So, uh, Achim Baylor, so the new coach, has really changed, I think, um, the momentum. Uh, They play a lot better football. I think the confidence has come back in. And, uh, you know, if they get uh, the ball quickly into those um, attacking areas where they have young players and they have uh, quite a bit of pace, then they have a chance. But I mean, Mainz will have to struggle throughout the season. Sort of that is the uh, definition of, of what they are as a team. The question is just how much can you get out of it? And I think Schwarz, unfortunately for him, just wasn't really um, getting that much out of the side. Uh, a side that doesn't have that much quality to begin with. Now
0: moving up in the next spot, a bit of a surprise of a team to be here, Eintracht Frankfurt. You really didn't expect this team that went from going to the semifinals of the Europa League and pushing for a top-four spot to slide all the way down to this part of the table. Of course, it was always going to be terrible of a time for them once uh, Luka Jovic left for Real Madrid, but... A 5-1 win to Bayern and a 3-0 win over Leverkusen have been their best game so far this year. But ever since that Bayern win, they've went 0-1-5 in the league Um looking potentially at one solution one of their better players from last year Ante Rebic has left the club on loan uh to AC Milan he's only made 7 appearances for them and 6 of those 7 have been for subs do you think the club may look to recall him in order to find a better uh consistency up front
1: i don't know if that's possible under the uh, loan agreement um You'd have to really look at what the contract stipulates for. Um, I think up front, um, there was always going to be a problem adjusting to the post-Buffalo era. That's the word that Bobic used about the three guys he had last year. Um, you know, it's not as if they don't have quality. It's a different If, it, if it's a different setup with Pacienza and Bastost, um, to name only two of them. But... It was always going to take a little bit of time i think the problem that they have shown in in recent months and weeks is they just look a little bit tired you know uh, it used to be a very attacking game also without the ball that was the big change from huta to kovac without um without the ball under kovac the team would just go back and wait and counter attack under huta they were very aggressive pressing and uh, they were overwhelming opposition teams and you just feel that uh, from the combination of the changes up front, plus maybe a little bit of tiredness and, and fatigue, mental fatigue setting in as well, they just haven't been able to play that game. And there hasn't been any fallback option because um, they can't really just sit back and, and play on the counter attack anymore. So maybe a team trying to reconnect with itself, finding itself again. I, I don't think that there's any suggestion that it will go down. But of course, the points total has been, has been terrible. And they need to sort things out. But I think Hutto is a good enough coach to get to grips with this situation.
0: Now, the two teams from Berlin are sat together at 11th and 12th, starting with the team in 12th, Hertha Berlin. They've also had a roller coaster season, but they have a lot more to uh, look forward to, I guess, than uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in terms of... Uh, positivity. They were one of the sides on the lower ends of the league, and they fired their uh, manager, Ante Kovic, and they brought in someone who American fans just absolutely love, their lord and savior, of course, Jurgen Klinsmann. And then since then, they've gone 2-2 and 1 in the league. Do you think they keep that going?
1: So I think first of all we have to make the point that Ante Czovic just wasn't really getting the kind of results and performances that to Hertha, especially with their new investment. Um, at last Windhorst, the new boss there at the back pulling the strings wanted. They want somebody who uh, inspires the team, somebody who wants to challenge for the very top of the Bundesliga and uh Czovic's style just wasn't wasn't really geared towards that and didn't lend itself to that. So They wanted a big name. They wanted somebody who comes with a huge amount of optimism and sort of can-do attitude. And there are a few people in football, especially in German football, uh, who do that better than than Jürgen Klinsmann. But of course, you also need the basics. You need to have a team that's actually able to to play that way. Uh, You need more quality up front. I think you also need uh, really good coaching. Uh, He's got Alexander Nuri there, the assistant coach who was at Werder before, with mixed results. So I'd like to first see this new momentum uh, to be a bit more sustained before I'm ready to pronounce Hertha suddenly being contender for the Europa League or even Champions League places, uh, which is uh, the sort of achievements that are being talked about by Klinsmann even now um, in in a mid-term future. So I think they have a long way to go still. Uh, There are at least half a dozen sides in front of them who are much, much better uh, in, in all aspects. But um, it's nice to see, I think, for the league that there is a side and a club who think, you know what, we're just going to go for it. Even if it doesn't ultimately work, I think it's to be it's to be commended. And uh, I think it will make it an exciting story, which is something, again, that the league really can do with.
0: Now moving to the team from East Berlin, uh, the Union team is... A bit of a surprise uh, in terms of how well they've done so far with some projecting at the beginning of the season for them to be fighting relegation, but they have wins against Borussia Mönchengladbach. They have wins against Dortmund, but they've lost to lower sides such as Bremen and Frankfurt. Uh, Do you think the team stays up, and do you think that they have all the pieces to take that momentum, say, from this year, staying up and go onward and upward
1: now I didn't think it was possible Uh, I don't think many people at Union Berlin necessarily thought it was possible for them to stay up they've given themselves a really big chance now with having uh, amassed many more points that they thought they would have at this stage of the season Um, you know there was always going to be the question mark behind their style of play which is very robust very direct Uh, doesn't really include a lot of football on the ground um, but I guess uh, they've shown that a system, even if it's a little bit uh, simplistic and uh, and rough and ready in attitude, played well enough with the support of the crowd, especially at home, can provide enough energy and pro- can create enough danger to kill one or two of the, the sides ahead of them. And they've done that. Uh, I don't think there's anything to suggest that they can't do it in the second half of the season. There are so many teams below them who have to outperform them before they get into any real trouble. So the chance is there. But to the second part of your question, you know, is that really a formula to go forward and to sustain uh, your your part in the Bundesliga? I'm, I'm very doubtful. I think this is uh, a style that costs so much energy and uh, that is so extreme in a way that it cannot really be replicated um, all the time. And I think... It's too early to to talk about it now, but I I just don't see that system being sustainable for a second or a third season. Um, But Union fans don't really care about that. They just love the fact that in their first ever Bundesliga season, uh, they're doing much better than expected. And I think, again, uh, from the league's point of view, it's great to see a side that is completely different in in so many ways, um, on and off the pitch, uh, thrive and uh, maybe be with us for another season.
0: We will return to the podcast right after this message. Moving on now to Augsburg, a team that has really survived this season, but they haven't found what they need to thrive. They have yet to pick up full points against top teams, but they have had draws against a great Freiburg side as well as Bayern Bayern. What do you think that they need in order to go over the top and get that, uh, get that first win against a uh, upper echelon side, if you will?
1: I think it's really tough. Tough. I think I expected uh, actually Augsburg to do a lot worse. I thought they might go down this year. They might still get into trouble. Um, I think they, you know, have been they've been defeating gravity for a long time since going up to the Bundesliga. This is a small club with a small budget. Um, that uh, lives on the collective energy that's been created and uh, they've had some really good coaches there in the past Uh, do you remember that Jurgen Klopp uh, a few years ago I think called them a sort of a mini Dortmund Uh, their style was very progressive um, very very difficult to play against but again uh, it's not something that you can necessarily do for many many years without losing that bit of quality because your best players are leaving or you can't you can't keep them so I actually thought under Schmidt that it's going to be a real issue this year. Um, They have done better than I thought. uh, But I think they have a pretty low ceiling as far as their possible achievements is concerned. So rather than looking towards beating one of the better sides, I think they have to really concentrate on keeping the lower sides at bay uh, making sure they don't get sucked into uh, that uh, relegation fight, which I think still is a possibility. So they'll be looking at the table and thinking very, very happy But in real points terms, they're not a million miles away from from some of the worst teams. So I think that is a fair reflection of their standard of football. Now to Wolfsburg, a team that did
0: well in the beginning of the Hindrunda, and it's a bit of a shock to see them dropped so low as they have been, but they currently sit in ninth. Uh, their last four games are kind of a perfect glimpse into how their more recent games have gone, uh, losing to Freiburg in the 85th minute, beating Borussia Mönchengladbach on a 90th plus-one-minute winner. Uh, they scored late to draw against Schalke, and then most recently they lost late, uh, thanks to Joshua Zirkzee and Bayern. Uh, they've had some injuries as well, which have really hampered them. Other than that, what seems to be their
1: biggest issue? Well, first of all, I would say that I don't think that ninth necessarily means that uh, you know they're a mid-table team. I think they still have a possibility of of challenging for the Europa League places, uh, the differences between them and uh, and 7th and 8th in terms of the playing style aren't, aren't extreme, uh, in terms of the quality that they have. I the think where they're perhaps a little bit shorter than some of the teams above them is the creativity in midfield. You know, Wolfsburg have a great striker and, and, and they have great fullbacks, they have a pretty solid defence. but. Uh, you don't really associate them with a dominant or stroke creative uh, midfield. Uh, and I think that is the key. If you want to be consistent, if you want to win games where perhaps you're a little bit off your best or you feel that it's a tight game, then dominating the ball, dominating midfield, is usually a really good way of finding that consistency. And I don't think Wolfsburg necessarily have the players to do it. Uh, we've seen it in spells, but we, don't have seen, we haven't seen it enough. And uh, they're always sort of inside a game without necessarily being able to really control things. And I think that's where they're a little bit short compared to uh, the bona fide sort of Champions League and Europa League challenges ahead of them. Uh, I don't know if this season will uh, will change in that respect. I think it'll have to probably come from the transfer market in the summer. Now to Freiburg,
0: a team that... I definitely did not expect to be on the top half of the table, Uh, but they have had a bit of a rough spot over at least their last couple of games, so I guess really just the perfect question to kind of encapsulate uh, their season so far is, how does a team go from beating Leipzig to losing three out of their last five?
1: I would turn that question on its head and say, how does a team that loses three out of five, which perhaps you expect a Freiburg, go then to, to be on to be Leipzig. Um, they are uh, incredible in the way that they overachieve, in my view, every single year. I look at the squad, I look at their budget, um, you know, I look at the players and I'm thinking, this is a team that will probably fight against relegation. Uh, but they're nowhere near relegation, they're fighting for Europa League places, maybe even the Champions League. So that for me is the, is the, is the real story. And I think it's a testament to Christian Streich and the amazing uh, work he does there um, with, with players that uh, I think would really struggle at most of the teams ahead of them, at least individually, to, to be anywhere near those, those performance levels. But somehow um, he has found that magic formula where nobody likes playing against Freiburg, they're always tough, they play with a real courage uh, they play with a real competence and they create chances against the best sides. I mean, you only have to go back to the game against Bayern, which they lost but could have easily won. They created so many chances against Bayern Munich. Um, that to say that this is, this is basically a miracle. It's a miracle that we've become accustomed to to a certain sense in a certain way. But at the same time, you find yourself thinking, unbelievable, you know, Freiburg are doing it yet again. Uh, and we don't expect them. But in a way, we probably should because this is a recurring, uh, recurring phenomenon. Um, how do you quite do it? I find it really hard to explain. Um, there's a book that's come out recently about Freiburg. Um, having uh, read some of it, um, it answers sort of a lot of questions, but doesn't really come up with one big idea of why this thing is working. Uh, so it's a mystery to a certain extent. Now to Hoffenheim.
0: Hoffenheim. Uh- Another team that has done pretty well for themselves, Uh, they've beaten Bayern and Dortmund at the last minute, but they've also lost to teams like Paderborn and Eintracht Frankfurt. One interesting thing that I think is really of note is that their top scorer is Andre Kramaric, Uh, He has eight appearances throughout the entire campaign so far, though, and he leads the team with five goals. Do you think that the team is over-relying on Kramaric and the appearances that he does make, or do you think uh, that it's more on the rest of the team to
1: not really find a consistent goal scorer up front? If you go back to Julian Nagelsmann last season, for example... They didn't necessarily have the one uh, successful goal scorer either um, the goals would be would be shared around uh, and even in earlier times uh, maybe uh, you know going back 10 years you'd had Veda Debicević but you had around them a lot of players that scored goals I of, often associate Hoffenheim as a as a midfield side they lost players in in and, and and Amiri so had to kind of reinvent themselves to a certain extent they also have a new coach and you could see that in the beginning, they really struggled to get any sort of um, convincing performances. Uh, a good run just before the half um, the halftime point at the season has lifted them perhaps a little bit higher than I personally see them. Uh, you know, you take away three or four points and then you're already talking about a midfield table again. So there isn't a lot of room for, for error, as it were. And I don't quite see them uh, on the same level as, uh, as the sort of sides who, uh, you know, have more quality and have perhaps uh, a more settled setup with their coaches being there uh, for a little bit longer. So, yeah, Hoffenheim are, are kind of where, where you expect them to be in the higher uh, echelons of mid-table, but I don't see them necessarily breaking out of that pretty narrow box where they find themselves in.
0: We will return to the podcast right after this message. One point that I did want to make uh, earlier is that the difference between first place and eighth place is only 11 points. And now as we move on into the top six, we see that point difference becoming a lot closer. And that means more questions uh, should be asked of each team. So at sixth place, we have... Bayer Leverkusen on 28 points. Uh, They've lost to Frankfurt recently, which has set them back. Uh, But they picked up results against Leipzig and Bayern. Do you see them weaseling their way back into that conversation for a a European spot? Well, this
1: is a team that finished fourth last year and thought that they might go for it this year. There was internally um, this ambition being voiced that they will try and win the Bundesliga. Now, I don't think that was necessarily a realistic expectation, I think it might have hampered their efforts. Uh but, you know, being sixth and uh and more in danger uh of getting out of Europe than, than perhaps challenging for the Champions League places even though the points difference is basically the same both ways, um I think they're not entirely happy with what has happened so far. Uh having lost five games and drawn four, uh that is half, you know, more than half of the games where they've not had the result that they wanted. Uh, there is a lot of quality in the side, but there's also, as we talked about earlier, um, this feeling that maybe they have too many players who are there because they want to be somewhere else eventually. You know, Leverkusen is always a stepping stone. And I think at some point in the development of every player, they start thinking of what the next step is and where should I go and what should I do. And I think it's very difficult for a team like that and for a club like that to ever amount to something that is a sort of a real consistent force uh, in German football they're trying very hard and they always buy great players but that is sort of the, the limiting factor that they always have to deal with and I don't necessarily know if there's a good answer for that so they still can make it into fourth they can still not make it into Europa League at all it's all to play for but i don't have the greatest of confidences that they are going to have a really successful season at least not by their standards
0: speaking more to that idea of leverkusen just being a stepping stone there are two players that they have leon bailey and kai havertz who are seen as people that will probably leave Leverkusen at some point. Uh, I guess just the question would be whether that would be more in January or in the summer. Havertz has now just recently been linked with Manchester United, as well as been linked with Bayern for a while, and Leon Bailey has been linked recently with Chelsea. Do you think either of them have the potential to leave this January?
1: Uh, I don't see Harvest leaving in January. I don't think it's the sort of uh, transfer that can be made in January. There's too much money involved. Uh, I think Leverkusen also want to uh, reinvest that money uh, come the summer. They won't let him go now. He's the most important player. It'd be crazy for them to do that. I think with Leon Bailey, there's probably more room for manoeuvre. He's been very inconsistent. He's been ill-disciplined as well with his uh, two red cards. So if a big offer were to come in for him, I think they might be tempted The question is, will that offer come in? Because, you know, other teams will have looked at him and think the kind of form that we saw from him a couple of years ago, where he really was quite a hot property, that hasn't manifested itself. So um, I think they would love to sell him, uh, certainly in the summer. I don't see a big market for him in this winter.
0: Now to fifth place, only two points up from Leverkusen. We have Schalke. And those that watched the league last year know that Schalke had a really rough go at the league. They only finished mid-table, a side that a lot of people thought would at least finish in the top six. Uh, But now they've kind of returned to that position, that rightful place that you would expect Schalke to relatively uh, be in. What do you think fueled that rise back up?
1: Well, I think the answer is David Wagner. I think he has um done everything that Schalke had, had dreamt for, dreamt about and hoped for and more. Uh, they've been looking for this kind of transformative manager for a long long time and in Wagner they have found him. It's still of course early days but everyone you speak to um there is is happy with what Wagner has done. Is happy how he has galvanized the whole club not just the dressing room. He's made players better He's given a bit of confidence and belief back to a club who was a little bit lost last year and, and of course, nearly went down. Um, he has worked, uh, really worked wonders and has, I think, put everyone at ease to uh, the point that they feel that you know this is going in the right direction and we're going to be fine. And it's really interesting. If you look at the contrast with Dortmund, who have the same points as Schalke, who have a better uh, difference in, in goals... But who go into this winter break thinking, again, is father really the right man for us? What are we doing wrong? How can we play better? And Schalke, of course, coming from a very different platform, but still with Schalke, you don't see any of those doubts. You only see optimism, positivity, a sense of yes, this is going to work out for us, and better times are ahead of us. And uh, it's been a long time since we've had that dynamic between those two clubs, and it's all down, I think to Schalke having made the right managerial appointment and Dortmund still wondering uh, in their second season on the Favre whether they have. Now, the American Weston
0: McKenney has been one of the better players to come out of the Schalke uh, Academy over the last couple of years, even though he's not generally seen as like one of the uh overall like world-beating players from the league. He just recently got injured in a game and now he is out until February. Uh, Speaking more to his role, I guess, within the team and on the pitch, how big of a loss do you think that is for this team?
1: I I mean, it's a big loss, but they've been able to compensate it uh, pretty well. But I think Wagner and everyone at Schalke would love to have Weston back on the pitch. I think he was really beginning to hit his stride towards the second uh, half of the season when he came back from his injury, was playing some really good stuff. Um, I think everyone expected a big season of him. And uh, I think there's everything to suggest that he's going to be a big success. Um, But of course, if you keep on getting injured at this um, critical time of your development as a player, it makes things very difficult. And it also, I think, puts some doubt into the minds of of the coaches, of the clubs you're dealing with thinking you know is this a guy who's always going to be injured, and uh you know do we have to be a bit more careful with um with how we play him, or you know do we should we really give him a long contract so it's it's a problem um I hope that he'll overcome it because there is undoubtedly uh, a lot of raw talent there and also some real intelligence. I think he's one of the the most versatile players that I've seen uh coming out of the u s and um it'd be a shame if he couldn't. Uh, for physical reasons, uh, continue his his great development at Schalke.
0: Now, with the rumour coming out yesterday, neither club has announced that it's official, uh, but it seems all signs are pointing to their young goalkeeper, Alexander Nubel coming to Bayern Munich over the summer. How do you think that... Well, first of all, do you know whether or not this is true? And again, we're recording this in December. And second, uh, how do you think that affects them in net next season?
1: Well, Nuba was very close to joining Bayern last summer. I think there was some agreement already in place then. uh, But ultimately, Bayern didn't see the need to to come in and spend money on him to get him out of his contract one year early. Now, I think the indications are very strong that uh, they have uh, secured an agreement for him to come for nothing in the summer, which is a blow for Schalke, of course, for a couple of reasons, financially and and in terms of the sporting loss. Uh, and I think for Bayern, the question is, how will they manage this transition? Uh, Neuer is very ambitious. Neuer is not the sort of guy I think he was going to agree to a job share anytime soon. So what is it that they have promised Nübel in terms of uh, giving him a real chance to become a successor and not just spend the next three years sitting on the bench while Neuer keeps on performing so well. I think Neuer has been has been absolutely uh, rock solid this season, even the latter stages of last season. So it's very, very difficult um, from an outside point of view without knowing the exact details to see how that's going to be a smooth transition. Uh, maybe a loan deal is on the card, but um, again, Nubel wouldn't be, uh, I think that keen on that uh, having just left one of the better sides and bigger clubs in Germany where where would you want to go so it's um, it's an interesting story and I think we'll have to wait for a bit more clarity to figure out just what Bayern have done but I certainly, certainly in, in terms of getting a good good goalkeeper um, for a zero transfer fee is of course a great move but they have to manage it without uh, losing Manuel Neuer And, uh, you know, without uh, creating problems in the dressing room in the process.
0: Moving up the table, tied on points with Schalke are their rivals, Borussia Dortmund. They were favoured from the beginning of the season as one of the teams to challenge for the title. They had fallen as low as, I believe, 10th in the middle of the season. uh, But now they've climbed their way back up where they're three points behind uh, Bayern Munich. Do you think that they are out of this race yet. I guess that's probably something Bayern fans would probably want to hear, but it's probably not the case, is it?
1: I'm not sure Bayern fans are really worried about Dortmund. I think they're, they're much more worried about, about Leipzig this season. But uh, Dortmund have have been disappointing. Um, yes, you can stay. They're still within range of, of challenging for the title. But if you consider that Bayern have been weak for a second season uh, in a row... Um, and have really opened the door to their rivals you expect Dortmund uh, from the history from the, squ- the the squad that they have to really be there to, to ready to pounce and they have been even worse than Bayern which is really really disappointing there was no reason to draw six games there was no reason uh, apart from the one against Bayern where they're really quite poor to lose th- uh, three games um, and that is the reason why Favre is under so much pressure because People look at the squad and people look at, at Bayern being weak and think, you know, why why aren't we, why aren't we there? Why aren't we winning all these games? And um, this is an issue that has been with them since the second half of the season last year where they really collapsed. And Favre hasn't really done enough, I think, to put all those doubts away and, and put people's uh, minds at ease that he has the right answers. And that's why... We exist in a strange kind of this, this twilight zone where Dortmund stick with him because they don't necessarily have somebody else uh, that they would rather give the team to. But at the same time, then they've never really been 100% sure that he is the right guy to take them all the way. And I think they're already beginning to see the season as another lost opportunity. And if you know the ambition of the people in charge there, this will really, really rankle with them.
0: The team doesn't have a lot of scoring outside of Jaden Sancho and Marco Royce, who are both having very, very good seasons. Uh, I believe their next goal scorer would be Paco Alcacer, uh, who has five. Do you think that he has room to step up, or do you think that there's somebody else uh, in the club, who will be able to step up and provide more goal-scoring opportunities, seeing as Sancho and Royce both have spent time away from the starting team sheet with injuries this season.
1: Well, Dortmund have this. This this is again is a father discussion, really. But they have they have a real need for a centre forward. Uh, even Paco Alcacer, when he is fit, is of course not the guy that leads the line in a, in a. In an orthodox sense, he's not the guy that necessarily gives you a goal uh, when you have to be a bit more direct. You still have to play your football. You still have to play through opposition teams. And when it doesn't work out, it can be really frustrating, I think, also for the fans to look at. Um, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the Dortmund CEO, has already said it was a mistake not buying a second centre-forward. But the mistake is also um, a problem because... You can't really, as Dortmund, go out and buy a big centre forward if you have a coach who doesn't want to play him. Um, so again, it goes back to Favre and what he wants to do. Um, I hope, as a as a neutral in that respect, I hope that Dortmund can can sign Erling Haaland uh, and really change their system a little bit to have that centre forward up front to really fulfil this potential. There's so much quality in the side, and it's frustrating, I think for everyone, with the exception of Schalke fans, to see just how short they continue to come. So if they can get that big centre forward uh, and an, a really reliable, exciting goal scorer, I think the, the sky is the limit for this team. Um, let's see if that happens and let's see what happens with Favre because I just don't see this uh, relationship continue beyond the end of the season.
0: Now it's a third place, and uh, the team that, of course, everybody listening is uh, mostly, at least the case, they are a fan of. Uh, it's been a really topsy-turvy season uh, for the Recordmeister for Bayern Munich. Um, so let's just start with the manager. Uh, Nico Kovac came in this season, and he had never been the... Person, it seemed at least from a fan's perspective that the board really, uh, really wanted. Uh, he was fired mid season. I was probably one of the few people, one of the people that was really, um, really adamant that he should have stayed. Uh, and I'll eat my words on that one because Hansi Flick has done such an amazing job with the team uh, ever since he took over uh, so well that the board made the decision to keep him uh, through the end of this season. And with Bayern, there's always uh, this need, of course, with being FC Hollywood to bring in big names. Uh, with the being the biggest club in all of Germany, you need that reputation to uphold. But Flick has been doing really well, and even in the uh, in some of the more recent games where you see losses, the team still has a bit of quality about it under him. Do you see him staying longer, or do you think that there's a better manager out there for this team?
1: Well, I think what he has done is he's given by in time, not just time until the winter break, but time beyond that. Um by being in charge until the summer we won't have this constant question about you know when is he leaving when is the new guy coming in Bayern just now have a bit more time to assess his performances and to see what is available I think there are two parts to this yes he's doing well yes I think the team really responded I think the, the feedback internally is very positive he's been able to uh, tactically make huge improvements uh, Bayern look a lot more comfortable playing the way they do. Um, they've played some really good stuff. Some of the pressing, I think, has been the best pressing we've seen since Guardiola left. Um, some things had really been lost in the meantime. But, you know, he doesn't have a, a real assistant coach at the moment. There's only Hermann Gerland there. Um, I think he needs a bigger staff probably. And uh, the other question is, you know, is there somebody available that Bayern feel is a, is a better solution or more sort of a sure, sure bet on, on success and I think the answer is that they're really struggling to find that kind of guy whether it is that they don't like them or whether it is that they can't get these guys uh, it's not as if people are queuing up to, to become Bayern coach at the moment and uh, that's how they ended up with Nico Kovac in the first place and that's how they could still end up with Hansi Flick I think becoming the permanent manager but my sense is that, at least as far as Kans Rummenig is concerned, there is still a pre- preference to get a bigger guy in and keep Flick on as, a, as the assistant coach to that guy. I think that is the preferred outcome. But if the likes of Tuchel and, uh, and Ten Hag and and Pochettino, all these guys, for one reason or the other, uh, are not available, or not considered quite the right fit, then Bayern, like so many clubs in their position, all over Europe, I find it really, really hard uh, to find that kind of guy. So Flick could still be the answer, but I think it's an answer that still comes with sort of a small question mark and a bracket behind it.
0: There's a small belief that the team needs to bring in more help. When I conducted an interview earlier in the season with Phil Bonney, uh, he had the belief that the team didn't have nearly enough depth to continue forward into the Champions League. Now, they've been hampered with injuries, especially on their back line. Uh, do you see them bringing in somebody for the back line, or potentially do you see them trying to bring in more attacking help to, uh, to assist uh, Robert Lewandowski as much as possible and take a bit of the pressure to
1: score all of the team's goals off of him? With Lewandowski, they have the problem that whoever they get in is always going to have to be a backup solution, and it's kind of contradiction in terms. You want a guy that can replace Lewandowski, but a guy who can replace Lewandowski doesn't want to replace Lewandowski. He wants to be, he wants to be the leading guy somewhere else. So it's an impossible conundrum, really. In Joshua Serksy, I think they have they have possibly a guy who, at least, sort of in in isolated spells, can do that because he comes with no. Um, demands, or you know, with no real uh, ambition to to supersede Lewandowski, so that that is a a very positive development for the squad. Um, I don't think they necessarily need help up front. Um, I think it's vital that Kingsley Coman gets fit again. Without him, I think just having Gnabry and Perisic for the wide uh, positions uh, that's probably not enough uh, for Bayern. They need at least three guys. Uh, Ideally, they would have four, uh, but I don't think that the Leroy Sané deal is going to go through in in January. There's still a small chance, but I don't see it necessarily happening. Um, And they have, of course, gone on the record by saying that we'd love to have a right-back, possibly, so that in the absence of Hernandez and um, and Niklas Sula, we can put Pavar as a second centre-back next to Alaba and then don't have to play Kimmich on the right, because I think it's beginning to be quite clear that you need Kimmich in midfield if you want to have Thiago or Tolisso or even Goretzka because none of them are real defensive midfielders. They're all very different, but none of them are really defensive midfielders. So Kimmich is probably a must in that position, especially with the problems that Javi Martinez has, who probably cannot no longer be considered a good solution in that spot. So that's where there is possibly a, a need to do something. But... Um, I think it would be difficult for Bayern to do anything in January. Um, as far as the team's quality concern is concerned, I think people underestimate a little bit just how good the quality of the side is, player for player. I don't think many teams, uh, especially in attacking positions, have as much depth as Bayern. If you think about the possible lineup for Chelsea in the Champions League, uh, certainly Lewandowski, and then behind them you have Müller, Coutinho, Gnabry, Coman and Perisic. That's pretty good. And especially if they can sort the defence out and get uh, get Hernandez back. I don't think that Bayern have to fear uh, anything. They're not quite at the top level of Liverpool and Man City, but they're not quite away from them either. So I think slow progress is being made and I see the big improvement individually next season when I think you'll see at least one of Harvard's and Sané arriving, and maybe both.
0: I want to touch more on that uh, situation with Joshua Kimmich. Uh, the board has talked about, and coaches have talked about bringing in a right back to um, to kind of replace and supplement his role there. But I I don't know. At least in le- in my mind and. He's one of the best right-backs in the world currently. He's the heir apparent to Philippe Lahm. Now, granted, Lam did also spend some time in center defensive midfield. Uh, do you think that maybe instead of getting another right-back that they go out and get another central defensive midfielder and have Kimmich going back to playing uh, the role in which he's viewed worldwide as one of the best in?
1: No, I think the thinking on his behalf, but also for the team, is that he is really a midfielder, uh, that it's his best position. Uh, you've seen him for Germany as well, moving into midfield role in recognition of the importance. Uh, in an ideal world, of course, Bayern still has you know, outstanding holding midfielders and Kimmich then be, can be one of the best right-backs in the world. But I think the need for the team, both in Germany and, and in Bayern, is bigger in midfield. Uh, There aren't many natural defensive-holding midfielders with the dynamism and range of of Kimmich. So that's where the team needs him most, and that's also where he sees himself uh, playing going forward. There was big discussions uh, in the past where he basically said to Bayern, look, I'm happy to play on the right, but I see myself as a midfielder, and Bayern kind of signed up for that. So um, they're only really doing what had been agreed all along. The question is... What happens on the right? Is Pavar available or do you need him in the centre? Is Pavar good enough going forward uh, on the right? I think I have one or two doubts about that. But I guess the thinking is, and Bayern wouldn't be the only team in the world to, to play like that, is to say we have such an attacking left-back that to, if you don't have the right-back staying back and play more like a third centre-back in Pavar, that's probably not a bad not a bad solution, at least not in the bigger games. It might not be enough when you have to sort of break down uh, the liked, likes of Mainz or Augsburg at home. You need the wit from both sides. But um, in terms of balance, it's, it's not a bad setup in those bigger Champions League sides. So Bayern have solutions, but I can understand why Flick and uh, and the team, are thinking, you know, if you only had that right back, then at least in the short term, we could move Pavar back in and him and, and Alaba would make for much more solid pairing than we have now which is Alaba plus one and the plus one not really working at this point whether it's Martinez or Jérôme Boateng.
0: So I guess to wrap Bayern up overall what does this team need to figure out in order to keep this streak alive or is it just a matter of waiting until everybody gets healthy again?
1: Well, I think they, they certainly need uh, need the depth because of the uh, the tiredness that you have seen creeping in. They have talked about it openly. Uh, you saw it against Wolfsburg and, and Freiburg that the team just looked really leggy and conceded a lot of chances, couldn't really play their game. Uh, this is the thing about Bayern, and you've seen it on the flick. When they play an aggressive pressing game, when they play high up the pitch, they're impossible to deal with because the quality of Bayern um, combined with the energy and the commitment to hunt down the ball and make it difficult for your position to even play out, that is, that is impossible to deal with for most sides. But when Bayern can't do it, when they drop, when they played with five at the back as they did against uh, Freiburg, then those issues in midfield and the lack of energy up front that we saw in, in recent weeks comes to the fore and creates real difficulties. So they need to replenish their energy reserves. They definitely need to get one or two players back. Uh, otherwise, I think uh, there's a lot of optimism um, for, for a good reason because uh, tactically the team looks so much improved and so happier. You know They had really lost their identity under Kovac. Kovac wanted to play them in a way that was counterintuitive to the players that he had um, and uh, they never really bought into it. This is why from really early stages last year, I wouldn't say he'd lost the dressing room, but there were serious, serious doubts within the team. And um, it was only because the team was ultimately too good to um, make those doubts count that he was kept in the job in the first place. But they didn't win those titles because of him. They almost won it in spite of him last year. And it was unsustainable uh, as, a, as a combination. And now they look a lot happier. And I think now they have given themselves a real chance to at least go a little bit deeper in the Champions League, which is the minimum you want from a Bayern side.
0: We will return to the podcast right after this message. Now, moving into the top two of the league. Starting with the second-place team, Borussia Gladbach, a bit of a surprise team for some, maybe, uh, to be this far up and challenging. They've had losses this season to Union, uh, Borussia Dortmund, Wolfsburg, and Leipzig. But at the same time, they have 11 wins, including a late winner more recently against Bayern. Uh, There's no one main person kind of breaking through and leading the way standing out for this team but their youth so far has served them very well uh do you think that that youth can maintain the high level of play throughout the rest of the season or do you think that might be something with the over-reliance on youth do you think that's something they might come to regret further down the line
1: i think they will actually benefit from not being in europa league anymore in the second half of the season, as much as it hurt them to get knocked out in the group stage, I think it was a very demanding on this squad to play Thursday and Sunday every single week. Um, you know, Michael Rosa is a fantastic coach. I think that uh, is clear already. It is a very muscular approach. It is an approach that relies on the energy up front, That relies on the youthful players doing a lot of running. And I think it'd be easier for them to do that when they know it's just one game a season Sorry, just one game a week that we can concentrate and train for the whole season. I think we're actually going to see an improved Borussia Mönchengladbach. Now, they're already playing at the very limit of their potential. So you can you, you ask yourself, you know, how much better can they play? But I think in terms of their sort of performances, uh, I expect them actually to make a step up and to to come a lot further in, in being sort of the ideal team that uh, Marco Rosa is constructing there. So... Um, I think it's going to be really tough for the other sides getting into the top four to rest that spot from Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think they'll hold on to it and finish in the top four, which is be, which would be really like winning the championship for them. Uh, can they do a bit more even than that? I'm not sure. But as I said, finishing in the top four, maybe in the top three, would be an unbelievable achievement. And I think they're on course of doing that.
0: And now we finally get to the top of the table with RB Leipzig. They were kind of pegged as one of the teams to challenge for the title and break that run of Bayern dominance. Uh, And so far, they've done nothing but that. Barring the close draw against Bayern Munich, they have very rarely slipped up this season. Keeping it solely with the Bundesliga... Uh, do you think that they can maintain their current form and become the first East German team to win the league in the modern era?
1: Well, I think first of all, um, you know Leipzig. They finished uh, third last year. We had, um, I think, reasonable expectations that Nagelsmann would improve them. So, if you improve from third, you are in contention. You're in conversation of winning the title. So, I think they. Haven't been a surprise in that sense. Uh, they've only uh, really done what I think they've been threatening to do all along, which is to become a real force in uh, in the league and maybe beyond that. So, and this is still the the early stages of this. I mean, Nagelsmann has. It's taken him a bit of time before he could change that very direct transition style. Into um, a bit more of a varied approach, where possession game it takes more of a um, of a precedence, um, but we're beginning to see those things being developed and those things being um, implemented to create sort of the perfect side that a side that can play both ways, can play all ways. There's no, I think, danger of them losing any big players. I think in in fact there's actually a good chance that they might sign another big player in Haaland who of course is also uh, in demand as far as Dortmund is concerned. And you just think that of all the sides at the top who have all shown weaknesses in one way or the other and have all not been perfect in one way or the other, Leipzig have been the least flawed side. And... uh, you know, the, the difference in points is not is not uh, as big to say this is definitely now their their title to lose, but they have given themselves a real chance and you just feel that under Nagelsmann, they will not let up and they will try to to really make this happen. So even before the last couple of games, if you'd have asked me, you know, who's the most likely side to win uh, the title this year, I would have gone for Leipzig and I'm still sticking with them. I think Bayern will, will be very, very good and won't drop many points. But the problem for Bayern is they have already dropped a lot of points. Um, And uh, Bayern, I think, with possibly having a chance of going a little bit deeper in the Champions League, might get to the stage where they very quickly will decide, okay, this is going to be our most realistic shot at, uh, at, at glory. And if we don't win the league for an eighth consecutive time, we can probably live with that. For Leipzig, I think, yes, they might overcome Spurs, but... At uh, the end of the road will be will be quite clear, I think, and domestically they have a historic opportunity to win a first title and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they actually take it this year
0: and I guess the last one for Leipzig at least uh that the only real obstacle I see for them is that this has never been a team that has challenged for three cups before, being the Pokal, the Champions League, as well as the Bundesliga, uh, how do you think that they that may have an impact uh, on their roster? Because I don't believe that they made it this deep in the Champions League Four.
1: No, they haven't. Uh, and of course, it is, a, it is a young team. They've only been in existence for 10 years. Um, there's a limit to what they have done in the past. I think it is a milestone for them to get out of the group stage. It was a group that probably was more meanable than than other groups that it could have played in, but they made it nevertheless. It's a growing uh, process. They still couldn't see too many chances in those games. I think they have to shore up. They have to become a bit more solid. But um, Spurs is a game that they can definitely win, and I think it will help. Uh, as far as belief is concerned, as as far as confidence is concerned, and also, I think, make the next level as a club. You know, Leipzig don't want to be a a kind of a Leverkusen where players go to, think they can develop and then go to the next big club. They will probably lose uh, Timo Werner, but at the same time, I think they they were going to get to the stage uh, where Dortmund are at the moment, who, if you really go from Dortmund... You will only go for a handful to a handful of clubs. Otherwise, um, Dortmund pay as much money and can offer as much um, for you to to think that you you're at the right place. That is the big challenge for Leipzig to get to into that into that bracket of clubs. Um, but by winning the title, of course, and by going potentially deep in the Champions League, they they would come a long way to doing that. So that's why I think this is is such a big season for them. They don't have to win anything, but if they were. I think it would make life for them uh, much easier in the next couple of years. And of course, it would give Nagelsmann an amazing platform to continue his his fantastic work.
0: So the final question, and really the question that we've been working our way up to after looking throughout every team in the season, who do you think is going to be relegated from the league by the end? And what do you think the top four is going to look like?
1: So I think the top four is going to be looking exactly like it looks right now. Maybe not in the same order, but I think those four teams will, will be there come the end of the season. Uh, relegation is, is a tough one. I think still Paderborn, unfortunately, will will go down. I still think that Augsburg, in spite of going strong, um, I, might, I have a weird feeling that sort of gravity catches up with them at last. Um, and Dusseldorf are in and, and trouble, um, as are Cologne. I think Bremen will will be fine. So if you want to really nail me down on two teams that will automatically go down, I would probably say Paderborn and uh, I'd say Paraborn and Cologne.
0: That concludes uh, this episode and this interview. Rafa, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your very busy schedule to do this. Uh, I. Greatly appreciate you coming on. Absolute pleasure. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do that at Honigstein and be sure to read him on The Athletic. He's an amazing writer. He writes really, really well. About Byron, and be sure to also catch him on various other podcasts and television appearances uh, through various outlets. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. You can follow me at Jefferson Fenner. And until we come out of the winter pause and start the Runda, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.